Carlos Condit will go down as one of the greatest fighters to not become an undisputed UFC champion. The fighter from Albuquerque built a reputation as a finisher with his first 24 wins ending by KO, TKO, or submission. And in the process, he became the WEC welterweight champion and defended that belt three times. Although he lost his debut fight in the UFC, he went on to win his next five, which led to him becoming the UFC interim welterweight champion. And he looked very close to unifying that belt at UFC 154, but ultimately, he was unable to get the job done. But he remained as a top welterweight, which led to a second shot at the title at UFC 195. And although he was even closer to capturing the belt in this fight, the decision did not end in his favor. After this, he went 2-5, and five, and following his most recent defeat at UFC 264, he called it a career. So how good was Carlos Condit actually? Hey guys, it's Keon, and today I'm going to be talking about the natural-born killer, Carlos Condit. Carlos recently announced his retirement from MMA, and I agree with this decision because he has gone through years of wear and tear. And at this point in his career, he was no longer an elite-level welterweight. But back in the day, he was truly a natural-born killer. He has some big names on his resume, and he was very close to capturing the UFC championship twice. So in this video, we will take a look at his MMA career to really understand how good he was. But first, shout out to the undisputed members of my Patreon. They get the extra perk of a shout out before each video. But even the intro members get early access and video to the Keon Kamara podcast. And as always, the money goes to charity. Now let's get to it. Carlos began his MMA career on September 6, 2002 at the age of 18. After winning his first six fights, he fought Jarvis Brenneman. Although Carlos got taken down, he connected with a knee beforehand and also attempted submissions off his back. Eventually, he locked up an armbar that forced Jarvis to tap. Carlos went 5-1 before fighting Satoru Kidaoka. This was a grappling battle that saw both men try to lock up submissions. Carlos also stayed busy on the ground with punches and kicks, but that wasn't enough to stop Satoru from locking up a heel hook that forced a tap. Despite this defeat, Carlos bounced back with a win before entering the Rumble on the Rock welterweight tournament. In the quarterfinals, he fought Hinato Verissimo. Hinato rushed in but ate a huge knee that knocked him down. This led to punches and more knees from Carlos that forced the ref to step in. The fight lasted 17 seconds. Three months later in the semifinals, Carlos fought Frank Trigg. Frank rushed in and brought the fight down. But after some time, Carlos locked up a triangle armbar that forced the tap. Unfortunately, he lost in the finals to Jake Shields that same evening and picked up another defeat a month and a half later before winning his next two. This led to a matchup against Tatsunori Tanaka. After trading on the feet, Tanaka secured a takedown. But Carlos was able to reverse him and bring the fight back up. Tanaka tried to secure another takedown, but he was unable to, and this led to him getting rocked by punches and kicks on the ground. Carlos unloaded with more punches and a stomp that forced the ref to step in. After this victory, he made his debut with the WEC, and after two fights, he became the promotion's champion. His first title defense was at WEC 29 against Brock Larson. Brock looked good early by bringing the fight down and throwing some shots from above, but Carlos locked up an armbar that forced a tap. Following another title defense at WEC 32, he fought Hiromitsu Miura. These two went to war. Both men landed some hard shots throughout this fight. They also brought each other down, but it was Carlos who stayed busy with submission attempts. But when either man was on top, they were connecting with ground and pound. Near the end of the fourth, Hiromitsu went down by a knee. This led to punches on the ground by Carlos that eventually forced the ref to step in. This was his final fight with the WEC before they merged with the UFC. So his first fight with the new promotion was against Martin Campman. This was an action-packed war that saw both men land some hard shots on the feet, but Martin turned it up in the third by staying on top for the entire round. 
This was enough for him to win by split decision. Five and a half months later, Carlos fought Jake Ellenberger. This was a back and forth battle that saw both men find success on the feet and on the ground. Jake looked very close to finishing the fight in round one with strikes, but somehow Carlos survived and continued to connect both on the feet and on the ground. They also reversed each other and attempted submissions. It was close, but Carlos ended the fight as the aggressor. So after three rounds, he won by unanimous decision. At UFC 115, Carlos fought Rory McDonald. These two traded shots with bad intentions. It was very close, but Rory had the edge with takedowns and ground and pound. But in round three, Carlos denied the takedown and used the Kimura to bring the fight down and get on top. This led to brutal shots from above, and although Rory got back up, he was exhausted. Carlos landed a knee and punches before stuffing the takedown and regaining top position. He threw more punches and elbows, and with seven seconds left in the fight, the ref stepped in. At UFC 120, Carlos fought former Cage Warriors welterweight champion, Dan Hardy. The two started off by feeling each other out on the feet, but as time went on, they began to let go even more. Eventually, they traded hooks at the exact same time, but it was Carlos who connected with the cleaner shot. Dan went down and ate more punches before referee Dan Mergliata stepped in. At UFC 132, Carlos fought Dong Young Kim. Kim secured a takedown early on, but quickly got reversed. Carlos brought the action back up and began to connect with some punches and kicks. This led to a flying knee that dropped Kim. Carlos threw ground and pound before referee Steve Mazgadi stepped in. He was now a top contender at 170, and although he was slated to fight champion George St. Pierre at UFC 137, George pulled out due to a knee injury. The UFC then decided to give former Strikeforce welterweight champion Nick Diaz a shot at the title instead at UFC 143. But George pulled out due to injury again, so instead, Nick fought Carlos for the interim welterweight championship. The two went back and forth on the feet for most of the fight. Nick was pressing forward more and connected with punches and slaps. But even though Carlos was moving back, he threw with more volume and did well with mixing his shots. The only time the fight went to the ground was when Nick brought it down and tried to lock up a rear naked choke. Regardless, the fight was very close and many believed Nick won, but by the end, Carlos won by unanimous decision, making him the UFC interim welterweight champion. The unification bout went down at UFC 154 against champion George St. Pierre. For most of the fight, George secured takedowns and did damage with ground and pound. And even though Carlos landed some shots on the feet, he was still getting outstruck. But the biggest moment of the fight happened in round 3 when he connected with a head kick that dropped George. Carlos rushed in and threw shots from above, but he was unable to finish the fight. George got up and recovered which led to him continuing to bring the action to the ground. After 5 rounds, he won by unanimous decision. At UFC 158, Carlos fought Johnny Hendricks. This was a striker versus grappler bout. Johnny secured 12 takedowns throughout the 3 rounds. But on the feet, Carlos found more success. Regardless, it wasn't enough so by the end, Johnny won by unanimous decision. 5 months later, Carlos fought Martin Kampman, making it their second meeting. Martin found success early by securing takedowns. But on the feet, it was all Carlos who pressed forward with punches and kicks. He also had some moments on the ground, but it was the pressure on the feet that was too much for Martin and in round 4, he ate punches and knees that forced referee Herb Dean to step in. At UFC 171, Carlos fought Tyron Woodley. Tyron controlled the action for most of the fight with takedowns and ground and pound. In round 2, he brought the fight down and landed on Carlos's right knee which immediately injured it. When the fight got back up, Tyron connected with a leg kick to Carlos's left knee. This made Carlos's right knee buckle, causing him to fall down in agony, thus forcing the ref to step in. It was revealed after the fight that Carlos suffered a torn ACL and a partially torn meniscus. Carlos returned 14 months later and fought Thiago Alves. Despite coming off a knee injury, Carlos threw a bunch of kicks to open up the fight. He also connected with punches and at one point, he dropped Thiago and looked close to finishing the fight. But he survived and the two 
got back up and began to slug it out. It quickly became a war and Carlos had the edge with a takedown which led to a rare naked choke attempt and ground and pound. By the end of round 2, the doctor stopped the fight due to Tiago's face being busted up bad. After this win, Carlos fought for the UFC welterweight championship for a second time. His opponent was champion Robbie Lawler. This fight was an instant classic. It was non-stop action on the feet. Both men connected with bombs and ate some huge shots. There were so many moments where the fight looked like it was going to end. But they both continued to press forward and trade on the feet. Now I made an entire video about this fight because like many, I believe that Carlos did enough to win. After 5 rounds, he landed more strikes than Robbie. At the very least, I could have seen it as a draw. But by the end, Robbie won by split decision. 8 months later, Carlos fought Damian Maya. After feeling each other out on the feet, Damian brought the fight down. He got a hold of Carlos's back and locked up a rare naked choke that forced a tap. Following this defeat, he fought Neil Magny. Carlos got taken down many times and was on his back for most of the fight. After three rounds, Neil won by unanimous decision. Three and a half months later, Carlos fought Alex Oliveira. Alex brought the fight down but got reversed and was close to getting locked up in a rare naked choke. But he survived and got back up before taking Carlos down again. This led to a guillotine choke from Alex that forced a tap. At UFC 232, Carlos fought Ultimate Fighter Season 15 winner, Michael Chiesa. Michael secured takedowns, threw shots from above, and attempted submissions. But at one point, Carlos locked up an armbar off his back that looked really tight. Regardless, Michael survived, and in round 2, he forced a tap with a Kimura. After this defeat, Carlos was out for nearly 2 years due to a detached retina and COVID-19 affecting events. And at this point, many expected him to call it a career as it was clear that his best days were behind him. Despite all this, he came back in October of 2020 and picked up a decision win against Court McGee. Then three months later, he defeated Matt Brown by unanimous decision. Despite this two-fight win streak, Carlos went on to lose to Max Griffin at UFC 264. So on September of 2021, he decided to retire from MMA. So after going 32-14 and 14 in a career that saw him become the WEC welterweight champion and the UFC interim welterweight champion, how good was Carlos Condit actually? There is no doubt that this man is a legend in the sport, but it really seems like he doesn't get the recognition that he deserves, especially from the newer generation of MMA fans. Which is a shame because he is one of the most exciting fighters ever. If I were to compare him to a current day MMA fighter, I would say that he reminds me a lot of Dustin Poirier. Two men who are very humble and have very similar styles of fighting. Plus they both won the interim championship. But most importantly, they excelled when the fight became a war. Carlos wasn't afraid to get hit because his chin is so strong. He has never been defeated by knockout. Which is wild to think about considering all the heavy hitters that he has fought. And even after taking some damage, his output does not slow down. Carlos was an extremely durable fighter which made it difficult for any of his opponents to finish him. Of course, he was primarily a striker as he did so well in mixing up punches, kicks, knees, and elbows. And as a longer and taller fighter, he used his reach to attack from a distance. His combos were beautiful and his volume alone was enough to make a fighter quit. But Carlos also had the power to finish the fight with one shot. He flows so well on the feet, but the same can be said when he's on the ground. His jiu-jitsu is high level as he is so smooth in transitioning and knows how to lock up his submission on top or off his back. He's like a snake when it comes to grappling but sadly that wasn't displayed as much in the UFC compared to his earlier days. In fact he never submitted anyone while in the UFC. Which is surprising because there were many moments where he looked close to doing so. But for the most part he'd rather attack on the floor with his vicious ground and pound. And in general he wasn't eager to bring the fight down. Plus he didn't have 
have the greatest takedown defense. And he'd begin to face troubles once he wasn't able to reverse the position, lock up the submission, or get back up. And if he went up against someone with good jiu-jitsu, then there was a good chance that he'd get submitted. Despite this hole in his game, he still managed to become a top welterweight in the UFC and even captured the interim championship. But when it came to the undisputed championship, he fell short twice. But in both attempts, he was very close. That head kick that dropped George St. Pierre could have changed the course of MMA history. And that war against Robbie Lawler is one that I still think should have ended in Carlos's favor. But the MMA gods had different plans. And after that fight with Robbie, both men were no longer the same. Carlos lost that aggressive edge and wasn't willing to get into brawls like before. And with all the accumulated damage over the years, it was bound to catch up with him. Which also makes me wonder what would have happened had he entered the UFC earlier. Carlos went 23-4 and and became the WEC welterweight champion before he joined them. That right there is already a legendary career. Had he grown in the UFC, I wonder if he would have had a higher chance at becoming an undisputed champion due to less mileage as a fighter. Regardless, at the age of 37, I'm happy that Carlos is retiring. Because even without winning the undisputed championship, there is no doubt that he is a Hall of Famer. That's why I would give his MMA career a 9 out of 10. Even George St. Pierre admits that Carlos is the best fighter that he ever fought, which is high praise from the greatest fighter of all time. But like many legends in this sport, they tend to be forgotten. And that's why I was very happy to make this video. Carlos is an old school fighter who paved the way for the UFC and MMA as a whole. He's someone who you knew was going to put on an exciting fight. So for everything he has done in MMA, Carlos Condit deserves respect and recognition. My name is Keon and this is my take on the natural born killer, Carlos Condit. Do you agree, disagree, or have something else to add? please put in the comments down below because I love to read it. If you like this video, please give it a thumbs up and subscribe to my channel for more content like this. But that's all I have for now, so I'll see you in my next one.